Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Grison. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm going to discuss formalizing learning teams into your safety culture. So what's a learning team? A learning team is a group of five to six workers and maybe a coach to lead the effort. The team should be comprised of people who actually do the task we are learning about. If we are investigating a trench collapse, we need people who actually wear muddy boots. If we are investigating a fall incident, we need the actual formwork workers or the roofers who wear a harness every day. If we are learning about an electrician falling off a ladder, we need to learn from the electricians who do that work. Learning teams are comprised of those who do the actual work where an event occurred. We learn the most from those closest to the work, not from managers who manage that work. Managers definitely know something. They just know different things. Managers are experts in cost, planning, and scheduling, but they don't do the actual job every day. We need another view. We need to see things through the lens of those who do the job, those who live inside the systems we create, so that we can better understand those systems. Those who do the work have the deepest knowledge and greatest experience of how the work is done inside the systems we create. That's the group we need to learn from. That's where wisdom comes from, knowing what other people know. Traditional accident investigations just aren't structured that way. Traditional investigations tend to include managers, supervisors, and witnesses of what a worker did. We must unlearn that old way of thinking. Supervisors tend to focus on what someone should have done, not learning why they did what they did, why it makes sense to them. Witness statements are focused on what someone did, not why they did it. Learning teams are concerned with understanding why people do what they do. Workers can teach us that better than anyone else. I mentioned earlier that you may need a coach. The end goal would be to not need one. At first, we need someone who really gets these ideas to guide and facilitate the learning team. When our culture matures, you will find you don't even need a coach. You can eventually conduct learning teams with only those who do the work. Todd Conklin says that when you put a team together, a leader will arise from that team. If you do this work, eventually one of the workers will become the coach of the learning team. It takes a mature culture to do that type of learning, but that is where we are heading If you want to dive deeper, Todd's book, Pre-Accident Investigations, is a great read. So to start this process, you will need someone to serve as a coach. But this is just a step in our cultural evolution, not the one way it should always be done. We want to grow learning teams to eventually function all on their own. I'm breaking learning teams down into four steps. The first session, soak time, the second session, and the fix. These steps are just a path. Some incidents are more complex than others. Some might need a third or a fourth session. This path is just a way for our brain to grasp how to think about learning teams and how they typically progress. Expect each one to be unique. So let's start with when to learn. Not everything is worth the time commitment to do this type of work. 
we need to start by determining what type of events are worth learning about. Fatalities, serious injuries are definitely worth the time commitment. Near misses can be too. Major violations where no injury or no near miss occurred are also worthy. If you can't explain how an event happened, then it definitely is worth the time to learn. If you hear or think, I just can't understand why that guy did what he did, then it is definitely worthy of a learning team. If you don't understand it, then you can definitely learn from it. So once we have an event to learn from, we need to put together a team of five to six workers who do the actual job where the event occurred. We need a coach who has a deep understanding of these human performance concepts and the self-awareness to guide people. The first session is for one purpose alone, to learn the context of the incident. Todd Conklin says that events have three major components, the context of the event, the consequence, and the retrospective way the organization views the event to come up with a fix. The context is the conditions that were met for the consequence to occur. That tells us we need to focus mostly on conditions to understand context, not behaviors. We are asking our team what conditions were present for the failure to occur, not what someone should have done to prevent the consequence. The purpose of this first session is to learn the context. How did everything line up to make the consequence possible? We need to learn how our systems failed the worker, not how the worker failed to do the right thing. We don't need to spend a lot of time on the consequence. We need to focus mostly on how work is done, the context, so eventually we can come up with a good fix. We humans are so quick to initiate a fix. We rarely learn enough first to create a good one. Fixing is the opposite of learning. Learning assumes you don't know what the fix is yet. Once you think you know the fix, learning stops. Have you ever had a conversation with someone where they were sharing a struggle with you and you quickly responded with what they should do to fix it? It's normal to do that. I do that. When I do, though, I usually find out that my perfect fix is wrong because I didn't learn enough information first. Our brains want to come up with a fix and do it fast. That's the self-awareness piece that can be a struggle. When we facilitate a learning team, our brain will be thinking of what the fix is. We have to keep pushing those thoughts back and redirect toward learning. The role of the coach is to keep everyone focused on how the work is done. The coach must constantly redirect fixing thoughts and hindsight bias thoughts toward learning context. We have to do this with ourselves and the members of the learning team. Our brains constantly pull us toward what we think the solution is. We don't want to go there for days, sometimes weeks. We want to keep everyone, including ourselves, in learning mode for the first session. A good fix has a deep understanding of the context. A great fix is not singular. Incidents are complex and always require multiple fixes. There is no root cause. There are multiple causal factors in any event. That means there are multiple things we need to address. Some are worth the commitment and some are not. 
We want to learn a hundred causal factors before we even start to think about fixing something. That's why this work, although fruitful, can be a little challenging. Management often demands quick answers to complex problems. Deadlines for answers stifle learning. Combine that with the brain's constant desire to make sense of tragedy, and you can see why you need a very self-aware person to lead a learning team. Start this first session by telling everyone there will be a second session for coming up with a fix. That relieves a little pressure to answer the problem here and now. You will still need to constantly redirect, but that gives you the excuse to do it later. Your team will need that excuse. They won't be okay with ignoring the fix in the present. They will constantly mention what leadership should do or what other workers should have done. Your job in a learning team is to redirect them toward learning how the work is done. We should also discuss unlearning an older view of incident investigations. The older view is a linear path that starts with the incident and moves backward. I often mention how we want to go back a year ago and work toward the incident. There's a reason for this. Incidents aren't linear at all. Incidents are not a chain of events that end at a point where someone was hurt. There are multiple causal factors going on at the exact same time. As an example, if an accident involved a crane, there were multiple things going on at the same time that contributed to the incident. The operator was fatigued. There were multiple people on the same radio channel. There were multiple contractors involved, rigging loads, working together. The weather could be a contributing factor. Other subs may be in the area, creating distractions. All of these contributing factors are happening at the exact same time. Humans like to think in linear ways as a method to make sense of complex things. Although it might help us think we understand something complex, the reality is there's a simultaneous network of causes all happening at the same time. Telling your learning team that you want to work towards the event is a way to uncover these simultaneous causal factors. Learning teams shouldn't begin with pre-formatted questions. They should begin with blank sheets of paper, blank flip charts, or blank whiteboards. I'm going to give you some ideas for questions to ask, but they are a guide in how to think, not a perfect pre-formatted process. It's the style of thinking we need to grasp. Todd says the fundamental question he asks is, tell me how you guys start your shift. This question is concerned with learning the context of the event. Tell me about a good day doing this work. Tell me about a bad day doing this job. What are the typical challenges you face? How do you overcome them? How do you get by with what you have? Why do you do the task the way you do it? Our job is to identify the conditions of the work. What conditions were present for this incident to occur? Don't judge the conditions either. Just make a list of them. The conditions are the contributing factors in our system that we need to identify. We will figure out the fixes later. All we want to accomplish in this first session is to deepen our understanding of the context that allowed the event to occur. You want a mix of people because different people will have different knowledge of the context. 
You might find that the right people aren't even in the room during this first session. You might learn someone else with a different perspective should be brought in next time. We just want to focus on how work is done from different personality types with different perspectives. We just want to learn. It used to amaze me how groups of people doing the same job would disagree with each other in these conversations. But now I expect it. People see things in different ways. People have different attitudes, beliefs, and perceptions. Now I see disagreements within the same crew as normal. We all have our own unique view. We don't see everything the same way. But we do want to capture those different perspectives. As the coach, you will constantly remind the group that all perspectives matter. We are not here to judge any of them as right or wrong. We are here to learn what they are. From there, we can learn later how to come up with a great fix. We are not determining the solution yet. We are looking for 100 different things that created the context where this event could happen. Remember the Swiss cheese model. Incidents occur when all the holes line up. You might need to take the first step to document context to get this process going, but the goal is to get the group to write down their own context. You can start by being the documenter, but you want to grow to a point where the members of the team are all writing on the flip charts or the whiteboards. We want them physically engaged in this process. A lesson learned from my focus groups is that you will need to clarify what you write. When I write what I hear, I often have to clarify and rewrite. Write down context where everyone in the room can see it. Nobody listens perfectly to other humans that don't always communicate perfectly. Help me write this down in a way where someone far removed from the job could understand it clearly. Help me write it down in a way where someone who doesn't do this work, this work in construction, can understand it. The first session is just about documenting context. After an hour and a half or two, everyone will get burned out. One and a half hours is typically the sweet spot. After that, people tend to get grumpy, and it's time to call it quits. Thank everyone for their contributions. Thank them for helping you learn more about their work. Determine if you need to invite other players to the next session, and remind them that we will meet again to come up with a great fix. The next phase of the learning session actually happens with no one in the room. The next phase is soak time. After we have captured a hundred contributing factors, we need to let everyone stew on it for a bit, at least a day, but maybe a week between sessions. Soak time is essential. It's hard because people get emotional about incidents and they want a quick fix. As I've mentioned before, most learning fails due to the lack of reflection. Soak time deepens learning. Wisdom comes from soak time. When people attend a learning session, they will reflect back on the conversation on the drive home or throughout the day. They will think about those conversations, what they should have said, what they should have added to the conversation. We need to give the team that space for reflection to occur. Your team may offer up thoughts to you between the first and second session. You want to document these thoughts for further discussion when you meet again. Others may be thinking the same things or have more to add. You're still doing learning team work between sessions.
It's good to go visit the team members when they're doing the work between these sessions. Go visit them and engage with them. Ask them if they've thought more about the conversation or if they have anything to add. Almost always, they will have more to add. Think about the soak time phase as an official part of doing this work. Allow it to happen and engage it between these sessions. Sometimes you'll find you need to do a second session that's still focused on learning. And the third is where you finally have enough information to start solution-based thinking. That's okay. It's a good thing. You already put your team at ease by telling them your desire to learn is more important than jumping to a quick fix. That makes it easier to say, hey, we aren't ready to do that yet. There's more to learn. So our first session gives people work context to reflect on. We then give people the space for soak time. Then we add to the context information to deepen our understanding of the system. Eventually, when we are ready, we work on fixes. So once we feel we've learned enough about the context, it's time to start talking about solutions. As we make this shift, we need to prioritize what we focus on. Ask your team which of these contributing factors are the most important. Of these 100 factors we've identified, which are most important to work on first? You will get some personalities that say they're all important, but they all don't have the same weight. Which are most likely to contribute to a future failure? If they're all important, can we prioritize them? Which should be placed in the top 10? Which 10 should we fix first? Implementing solutions is going to take time. Some fixes are going to take longer than others. We don't want to burn down the entire system and start from scratch. We need to prioritize our solutions. In any event, we already have some defenses as part of our system. And some are good. Some are great even. But some are not serving us anymore. Defenses can erode over time. Some need to be massaged a little bit. The goal of the solution-based session is to determine what does work, what doesn't, and where are there holes that need to be filled. So now that we have a prioritized top 10 to work on, what are the current defenses we have in place? Ask the workers about these defenses. Which ones work well, which do not? And how could these current defenses be improved? Where do we not have any defenses at all? When it comes to areas where there are no current defenses, we need to coach solution-based thinking. It's easy to judge weaknesses in current defenses. It's a lot harder to think up brand new defenses that haven't existed previously. What would you do differently if anything were possible? What would you do if cost wasn't a concern? That's the type of thinking we need to engage. If anything were possible, what would you do? We definitely don't want to shut down that type of thinking with that will never work type responses. As soon as you tell someone their idea won't work, you shut down their creative thinking. We need creative thinking at this phase. The world is great at shutting down creative thought. The world is great at telling us what we shouldn't do. The world is not so great at encouraging creativity. The role of the coach is twofold. One component is to learn about the quality of our current defenses. The other is to create new ones. 
Both of these conversations will be going on at the same time, and we will need to guide them appropriately. As we learn about the quality of our current defenses, we need to learn how they have evolved. Where are they eroding and why? Did they function properly in the past, but the work has evolved and the defenses didn't evolve too? All organizations and people drift. Our defenses will drift. Maybe part of the solution is to get better at capturing drift. How can we get better at capturing these evolutions? Some organizations actually have a system for this. Some don't. Some organizations conduct drift sessions to deal with this. They have regular, formalized sessions to ask workers, where are we drifting? Some organizations require managers to go visit the field and watch people work and see how processes are drifting away. Maybe this is part of the fix. But whatever the fix is, we need to keep in mind that there is no singular solution. We came up with a hundred contributing factors. There will not be a singular fix. As we come up with new ideas for new defenses, some will be costly. We need to do some small-scale experimentation with new defenses before committing to them on an organizational scale. This is part of the work of learning teams, trying things out. Trying out new defenses gives you the opportunity to learn how they will actually work in the real world. We may need to tweak them a bit before getting out the checkbook. Almost all new defenses will go through this process. We will come up with new defenses, try them out, tweak them, and then implement them on a larger scale. Trying out small-scale fixes is great for engagement. When you commit to trying out the ideas of the workers, they're more likely to believe in your commitment to this process. They will be more committed too. So at this point, you may have noticed that I spent a lot more time discussing learning versus fixing. There's a reason for this. Fixing is the opposite of learning. We can't come up with a great fix without first doing great learning. Our brains are constantly pulling us toward fixing mode versus learning mode. Fixing feels better. Learning isn't the most stimulating experience for a lot of people. Fixing has more feelings of accomplishment than learning. The idea is to over-focus on learning to combat the forces in your brain and your culture that pull you toward fixing. It takes hard work to learn. It takes patience to learn. It's a lot easier to say what you think the solution is. But great solutions come from deep understanding and deep learning. Learn the context of the work deeply before you ever start fixing. Doing this work is a great method to increase buy-in. Asking workers to teach you about their job, asking them for solutions, trying their ideas out on a small scale, and finally seeing the results in the organization can create a major shift in buy-in. Other workers who are not part of the learning team will see and hear about these changes. If you feel you lack buy-in, learning teams are a great way to change that. Learning teams are mostly comprised of people who do the actual job and maybe a coach at first. Our first step is to over-focus on learning the context from the worker's perspective. We want to move away from the old-school linear thinking and instead uncover 100 contributing factors. We need soak time 
because that is where real learning occurs. We need to prioritize defenses. Some current defenses will be just fine the way they are. Some will need to be revamped, and others will no longer be effective anymore. We need creative thinking for new defenses. We need to prioritize our fixes. We need to experiment with new defenses on a small scale. This is a major shift in thinking from the traditional accident investigation, but it produces deeper learning and better solutions. The side benefit is increased buy-in from the workforce. If you do this work, send me a note and share what you learn in the process. Have a beautiful learning day. Hey there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a five-star rating and a review. If you want to connect further, head over to leaderthink.com.